The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. I want to thank you for joining us as we have finished our study in the book of Ruth. It was quick, 10 episodes, as we went through the four chapters of the book of Ruth, and I hope it was an encouragement. I enjoyed the study. I enjoyed being able to teach it. And now we're going to jump back into something. Actually, it's kind of moving forward. When we were in the midst of the quarantine, at the highest point of the quarantine, we took several chapters from the book of Psalms, and we just kind of broke them down as we were going through that and then went off. And I have been praying now, uh, actually, right as we started Ruth, begin to pray. What's the next step? Where does God want us to go? What can be an encouragement? What do we need to do? And honestly, the book of Psalms was just still in my heart. For me personally, and even just re- even this morning, as I was reading through different chapters, and some of it to study for this and some of it for myself, um, I was just re- re-encouraged um, by the sweet spirit of the author, um, of the great truth behind it, and just thought, and just the Lord has gave me peace and laid upon my heart that it's an encouragement to me, and let's let's go ahead and share it. So, what we're going to do, I really don't know how much of Psalms we'll go through to be honest with you right now, but uh, we did. I know I went back and looked on our website at the different Psalms, at least that we posted to our website. I don't want to, to an extent, repeat anything, although it is the Word of God. Repetition is a great teacher. Uh, but what I want to do today is start in the book of. Um, of Psalm chapter 2. So we'll be in chapter 2 today, and we're going to look at uh, the first uh, several verses. Now, probably one of the things that grabbed my attention, if you were at the service or watched Sunday, uh, in the morning we referenced some Acts chapter 4, where when the, after uh, the religious leaders had sent James and or excuse me, John and Peter away, and they went back to their to their group of people, their, their church, and they began to talk about all that God had done, and then they began to pray. The Bible says in one accord, uh, they mentioned in that prayer, and they quoted Psalm chapter 2. And so I've been looking at and evaluating it, and, and if we're not careful, we can really make this a political verse, and don't get me wrong, there's an awful lot of, of truth about the religious leaders today, as we'll talk about. Uh, but what I, for me, what was, an, what, what was a great takeaway for me and a great takeaway that has been for me since that time that we read it and I, and I looked at it was that, some, that, that the goal of what we can learn from that is to keep our mind refocused on Jesus, on his greatness, on his power, excuse me, on his sovereignty. And I think the more we can focus on that, uh, the greater it is for us and the strength it is for us. And so I hope that's an encouragement. I hope this will be a help as we jump back into the book of Psalms. And so Psalm chapter 2 this morning, Psalm chapter 2 in the Bible says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves against the rulers. Excuse me. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. We're only going to go to that verse today, and we're just going to look at the first couple verses of this. And so let's go back to verse 1 and evaluate just 
how what we see, much of what we see today in our culture and just human nature is not new. In verse 1, why do the heathen rage? Now the word heathen, and we can run with it a lot, and a lot of people point to anybody who disagree with us as heathen. Simply, he's talking about those that desire to live after sin, those that want nothing to do with God and are following it. And why do they rage? And rage is chaos and loud and screaming and howling. And, and frankly, you just turn on the news. We saw the riots, we saw the chaos of our current culture, and yet we can look at it as political revolution, and, and much of it is. There's no doubt about that. Much of what we saw was a desire for what many call social justice and political revolution. And there was a lot, I would say, there was some great good in what was being stated. But I'll be honest with you, I think personally a lot of it was tagged on to create other scenarios for a wrong reason. But what we see though, what we see in all of this, what we see when I see the negative side, the, the bad side of all of that, the stuff that the great, the great truth and the great message to try to get across was, was kind of um, sabotaged by other groups wanting to get their political point of view across. But what we see is this rage, this emptiness, and I think rage is a great way to look at it. Can I be honest that, as we mentioned this Sunday, that when you are without Jesus and you strive to live every day outside of Jesus and his strength and his comfort and his help and his acceptance and love and all of these things, can I say it just brings rage after a while? Because you try the world, you try money and it doesn't satisfy. You try other material things, it doesn't satisfy. You try religion and it seems empty. You try so many different things that the world tells you is the fit. You seek after people to help you do uh, my identity and I fit here and I do this. And, and yet it just seems to still be empty and we st- seem still to be missing so much in certain areas. And when I look at all of that, I look that it can bring an emptiness, a rage, a chaos in our hearts. You know, even as Christians, I've learned this. This is me personally, and I think it's probably true of all of us. You know, we as preachers talk about the need to read the Bible, the need to pray, the need to be in church, the need to be in the Word of God, just like what we're doing right now. The need to be encouraged by others, and it's absolutely true, and it's absolutely necessary. But you know, sometimes we, everything's good. We don't have a major problem facing us that drives us to our knees. And, and we're not studying for a particular study in a book. So, you know, reading the Word of God, I don't know when I can get to it. Or uh, we lose some of the excitement of the study. We've read this before. We kind of get into a religious traditional rut. And we lose the vibrance of the Word of God. And so we just kind of back away from it, you know, and we just kind of go live life. And I don't think we realize slowly through that as we've moved away from that, that it moves into an emptiness, it moves into frustration. We become quicker tempered, we become easily frustrated, easily discouraged. Uh, the things of life seem to overwhelm us quicker uh, than they used to. And what we don't even realize is, is because God has not left, but we walked away from Him. We didn't intentionally do it. I'm not even saying we walked away in great sin, we just walked away. We walked away and we didn't feel we needed it anymore. And in doing that, and we walked away and we, we lost the, the comfort and the, and the consolation that comes from Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's something that I hope that we realize is easy to do. It's not even necessarily rebellion. It's just we just walked away. And I hope that would be something that we would recognize. And uh, maybe we just need to come back to God and His Word and let His Word begin to speak to us. And I mean, emptiness or rage. But he says, why do the heathen? It's again, Psalm. David's talking about this. The Israeli people in all the world, he says, why do the, um, to the ungodly, the people who want nothing to do with God, why do they rage? And why do people imagine vain things? They, they imagine, they dream, they have this vision of things that are empty, that are never going to be attainable. So the heathen are empty and they rage and they're desiring and they're envisioning and dreaming about 
something that can't happen. It's empty. It's vain. It's just, and even if they were somehow to obtain it, it's not really going to give them the consolation they desire. Because it's, it's, it's when they finally grab a hold of something, it's empty. If you study Ecclesiastes, uh, uh, David's son uh, Solomon made the comment that, all, you know, all is vanity. Vanity, vanity. All is vain and vexation of spirit. Simply, and Solomon had everything the world could offer, and it was empty to him. It was empty. And that, that's a very frustrating thought to think that everything we chase after and everything we're desiring becomes empty. And I hope that we realize that that's what the world is chasing. And, and I think sometimes too many Christians chased after that. And we miss out on all that God wants to give to us. And so as we look at this, we realize that uh, the first verse really talks a lot about the emptiness. And let me tell you, my desire when I say this is not to get on our case for desiring this. My, I think I hope we realize that outside of Jesus, that's really all there is. Chaos and emptiness. And oh, we have religion and we have different things we're going after. But when we find them, they don't bring the fulfillment that Jesus can. And that's really what we hope we see, is that we study this. What we see is that the world's seeking after emptiness. They don't realize it because they, they, they have nothing to compare it to. Religion's failed them. Um, politics has failed them. Money's failed them. All the different things they think are good has failed them. And so what do they have? They have nothing. And so they're seeking after something that really cannot satisfy, understandably. And so they get empty, they get frustrated, and, and, and it's... And it's and that's a lot of discouragement that it brings. And God is saying, recognize my son as the answer to this. Go to verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying. So there's two things happening in this verse. The kings of, themselves set, the kings of the earth set themselves, and then the rulers take counsel together. So really what you have, you could read it this way. The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, saying. And then it says, the kings of the earth set them, uh, I'm sorry, then you could take the second half of the verse. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord. So these two things are both happening against the Lord and against his anointed, against Jesus against the one that has anointed to happen. Because in Acts 4, as we read Sunday, what happens is he's pointing out that the religious people are making a point to go against Jesus, against God's anointed. So what we see here, he says two things happen. The kings of themselves, the kings of the earth set themselves. This is a choice. They're not just saying, well, we want to be politically correct or tolerant. They're making a choice. And then the rulers take counsel together. So the kings of the earth want something, so how do we do it? We come together to accomplish a common goal. And what is the common goal? And the common goal is to set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. And yes, that's happening in Psalm. And understand, this was Israel. This was the world of the day, and, the war, and they were still going. God's chosen people, and he's still struggling with this. And David, in a, in a level of of confusion and frustration, say, why or why would they do that? What's, why are we doing this? Why are they fighting this? And we find that. That's happened all the way through human nature, and it happens today. There are rulers that are doing everything they can in American culture and other cultures to get, get God out of their culture. It's happened back when they got prayer out of the, out of the schools, when they, when they changed the view on human life, all these different things. And they keep just keep going that direction, and they have made strategic plans to do everything they can to make anything that is biblical and moral bad and vice versa. And, and, and they just, that's exactly, he's just stating this as a fact. This is what's happening. Um, then they go on to verse 3, something else the rulers say, and he says, the rulers say this, let us break their bands asunder 
and cast away their cords from us. Let's not let anything that would be connected to the Lord and his anointed, we want to break it. Any, any kind of connection to us, let's get rid of it. Now, interestingly, in our country, one of the foundational principles in the Constitution is the Judeo-Christian belief, the foundational principles founded all the way back to our founding fathers. By the way, that what, doesn't it make it interesting that our founding fathers are under attack today? by the rulers, because if they can find them bad, then they have a right to change their view and constitution and morality and all these different things. Here's my point. I'm not even trying to look at the political point of view. Here's what I want to say. What, what we view today that, that just brings heaviness to our souls and our minds, it's not new. It's not new at all. This is, this is the way it's been. This is human nature. And so let me just give you one verse. I think I'm going to finish with this verse and we'll pick up on it tomorrow. Verse 4, it says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Can I start with the first phrase, He that sitteth in the heaven? He sits outside of this. You know, we can be overly consumed and understandably with the, not just the political realm, just the current culture of our world because we're consumed with it. Jesus sits outside of it. <laughs> he sits outside and he looks down and, and he's not consumed by it. He's not overwhelmed by it. But yet while he walked the earth, he was. And he was surrounded by it, yet it didn't affect him. And we can allow the things that don't make sense, the things that hurt us, the, the, the things that Satan wants us to believe. We failed it in all of those things. He can use us as a great amount of discouragement and an opportunity for us to say, you know, what? is it really worth it? And he can really drive us down a, a rough path. When we go back and remember that really the premise of this is a great reminder of who Jesus, of who God is, and his sovereignty and his greatness and his goodness. And if we put our trust in him, not just for salvation, although that's absolutely necessary, but for every part of life, that is where we find strength. That is where we find grace. That is where we find hope. He sitteth in heaven. And uh, so we'll pick up here tomorrow when we talk about the idea of the God's response to this. Um, you know, the world's empty. And they seek for things that cannot give answers, and yet we have the answer. At least the Word of God is the answer. It is that source of truth. If you've not been saved and put your trust in Jesus, I hope you would realize that that's where the answer is. It's not in church. It's not in a preacher or a movement, although hopefully a biblical church that preaches the Bible and teaches the Bible, you'll find a good one that does that, because that's really the answer. It's the Word of God. So I hope you find a good church that does it. It's how God designed it. It's not found in religion, it's found in Jesus and the Word of God. And then you find strength in your journey in a good church that makes the Word of God its foundation. Well, I tell you, I hope, I thank you for joining us today as we embark back into the book of Psalms. I do hope it's an encouragement. I know just in the few chapters I've read in preparation for uh, these devotionals, I know they've been a great encouragement to me already. I hope they are to you as well. Uh, and continue to be in prayer for each other through these times. Uh, we look forward to the coming Easter weekend. Hope you come, hope you join us. And we just look forward to God doing great things. Hope you may be inviting somebody to join us for the services. And we look forward to a great time of worshiping Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you next time.